face of the heavens what we all want to be. Um, I was interested in what Emma, as your worship leader, spoke about, about the bad word, the bad press for Kaitaia. I've heard it. But I think my message today has been motivated by that. You know, when you get bad press, it makes us feel as if we're unworthy, as if we're nobodies, as if nobody cares about us. And when they do think of us, it's all negative stuff and nothing good. And it's, um, it creates a sense in the community that the community's no good. doesn't matter how good you might be individually. It doesn't matter how good this place is to live in. Sometimes bad press makes us change our minds or gives us that feeling of oppression. And, of course, that's what the devil wants to do, doesn't he? He wants to put us down. He wants to put this community down because he doesn't want great things to happen here. But the truth is that this church in this community is doing extraordinary things for God. All right? The fact that you're meeting, the fact that you're growing, the fact that you're worshipping God, the fact that you're praying, the fact that you're having life groups, that you're studying the Word of God, all those things are advancing the kingdom of God in Kaitaia and the surrounding areas. Give yourself a clap. Yeah, and so today we're going to talk about ordinary you and me plus God equals something extraordinary for the Lord. Amen? Can you believe that? Okay, so why are you sitting here yesterday, last week? Why are you going home and sitting in your homes? Now, I'm talking about me. I'm here too. If we believe that we are just ordinary people, but with God can be extraordinary, doing extraordinary exploits for the Lord, what are we going to do about it? You see, the point is all we have to do is step into the opportunity. Just step in. It's nothing to do with me. I'm ordinary. You're ordinary. But with God, we're extraordinary. With God, extraordinary things can happen. With God, this city is turned around. In Proverbs, it says that when the righteous prevail in the city, then the city prospers. That's what we want. Righteous people prevailing in this city, that this city would prosper, that everyone would be blessed. All right? And so we're the righteous people Ordinary you and me plus God can do extraordinary things. And I believe that God is challenging us today. I think it started three weeks ago with Pastor Tark Simulcast. All right? I, I wasn't here for that. I was in Australia. As I had said to you, I was going to miss out in July, which I did, unfortunately. But I'm earlier in August. Um, all right? Because I was in Australia. But Pastor Tark said, God has greater things in store for us than we have ever realized. He's calling us to attempt great things for him. And to do this, we need great expectations. And so my purpose for being here today is to build up great expectation. So don't think you're going to sit here and cruise through this service today because God's got a plan. You're not here by accident. Even if you're visiting, he's got a message for you. Betty's come today because her husband is running in the uh, marathon or half marathon or whatever it might be. I know it's rugged. That's all I know about it. How old is he? 90? 92. He is doing great exploits for the Lord. He's got a great testimony, all right, because he's an ordinary man, 
doing extraordinary things in the Lord at 92. He's been to New York and run in the New York Marathon in his 90th year. All right? So nothing is too difficult for God. All things are possible. Start building up your faith. As I said, I went to Aussie two weeks ago. I came back last week, last Tuesday. I went for the birth of our third great-grandchild. All right? I didn't realize that having babies was such hard work. I came home exhausted, and I was just the great-grandmother. <laughs> All right? Um, uh, but it's, it was great to get home again. Everything over there in Melbourne was cold and dreary and dark and four degrees lower than it is here. And I woke up in Parua Bay on, on Wednesday morning and I couldn't believe how light and bright it is. We are blessed in this land. We are blessed in this land. And sometimes we need to take our eyes off all the doom and gloom and look up and see the light and the bright that God brings. Amen. Amen. So I want to reflect a little on Pastor Tark's simulcast message. God has greater things in store for us than we realize. He is calling us to attempt great things for him, and to do this, we need great expectations. Ordinary plus God equals extraordinary. You know, there's many God-fearing men and women, just like you and me, who in the eyes of the world qualify as nobodies. In the big scheme of things, they don't see us as having anything significant or of value to offer. But in God's eyes, we are all somebodies. We're unique individuals made in God's image, made in his likeness, um, each of us with a big dream placed in our hearts by an even bigger God. We fellowship in a church that also has big dreams. So if you're thinking what I'm talking about is too big then you need to think about why you're here. God brought you here. You're not here by accident, either in this church or in here today. But God, this church has big dreams. This church is a church that is called to have an apostolic influence. We're to be arrows of truth, saving souls. That's little old ordinary you and me. Arrows of truth, saving souls. We're to be igniting God's fire and power and called to reach out to New Zealand and beyond to all the nations. That is a big dream. And he needs people who've got big dreams in their hearts to fulfill that big dream for Church Unlimited. And the amazing thing is you already have that dream in your heart. You may not know it, but it's already there. Ordinary people like you and me with Almighty God can do extraordinary things together. I'm declaring today that this church here in Kaitaia will do extraordinary exploits for their Lord. And that's because I know that God has planned that for us. All right? I'm, not, I'm declaring something because I want the heavenlies to be declared down here on earth. But what I'm declaring, I know to be true. That this church will do extraordinary things. These people, ordinary people, will do extraordinary things when we combine with God to do it. That's God's plan with us and all we have to do is believe it. Simple little word, believe it. Not say we believe it, believe it. Because if we believe it, we're going to be compelled to do something about it. So start believing it. Let's pray. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Father, I'm dedicating this service to you today. I believe that you are in control, Spirit of God. Come and speak through me and have your way. I pray that anything that's of me that's not from you, that these people would not hear it. But I ask that every word that comes from you would hit our hearts, hit its mark, and be life-changing. That it would be transforming. That we would walk out of this place believing that we can do extraordinary exploits to change the atmosphere of this town and this region. And so we dedicate the service to you today and we say, come and have your way. Talk to each one of us individually and start the work of developing as an unshakable truth that will compel us out into the community to do extraordinary things for you. One of the amazing things about what I'm going to talk about today is how ordinary it is to be extraordinary. Because sometimes we look at, at you know, famous people and we say, well, that's all right for them because they have these special gifts or skills or they've had it well in life or somebody promoted them or they're in the public eye. And so we think they're the ones who are going to do the extraordinary exploits. But that's not what I read in the Word of God. I believe it's you and me. And we're going to look at people just like you and me who have done that. On the next slide, I've got the beginning of a story the story of Ordinary, who was a nobody living in the land of familiar. Does it sound familiar? All right, it comes from the book The Dream Giver by Bruce Wilkinson. And I'm just going to read the first part of it's there and then I'll read the last bits. Not long ago and not far away, a nobody named Ordinary lived in the land of familiar. Every day was pretty much the same for Ordinary. In the mornings, he got up and he went to his usual job. After work, he ate almost the same dinner that he'd eaten the night before. Then he sat in his recliner and he watched the box that mesmerized the most nobodies on most nights. Sometimes best friend came to join Ordinary in front of the box. Sometimes Ordinary went to his parents and they watched the box together. For the most part, nothing much happened in familiar that hadn't happened before. Ordinary thought he was content. He found the routines reliable. He blended in with the crowd and mostly he wanted only what he had. Until the day Ordinary noticed a small nagging feeling that something big was missing in his life. Or maybe the feeling was that he was missing something big. He wasn't sure. The little feeling grew. And even though nobody's in familiar didn't generally expect the unexpected, ordinary began to wish for it. Time passed. Then one morning, ordinary woke up with these words echoing in his mind. What you are missing out on, you already have. Hear these words. What you are missing, you already have. Could it be? Ordinary looked and looked. And then he discovered that in a very small corner of his heart lay a big dream. The big dream told him that he, a nobody, was made to be a somebody and he was destined to achieve great things. That's an ordinary story about an ordinary person like you and me. It could be our story, couldn't it? But what's the punchline? 
right buried somewhere in some nook in our hearts is a big dream. God's put it there and he intends for us nobodies or ordinaries to become somebodies and to do great things. Do you believe it? God has a plan for each of us. You and I will never be topical like Valerie Adams or all those other Olympians that we've been reading about and um, watching on the TV over the past week. We won't be like Donald Trump, thankfully, or Kate Middleton, Princess Catherine. Um, We may never be famous like Moses or King David or the Apostle Paul. We may not even be a Mother Teresa or a Joyce Myers or a Benny Hens, Reinhard Bonnke, Darlene Check, even Stan Walker. But this one thing I do know and I am convinced of, God has a unique plan, a unique purpose for each one of us. And it's a plan that was determined before the creation of the world, decided on before we were even conceived. In Psalm 139 verse 16, King David says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before any one of them came to be. Think about what that means. It means before your parents even thought about the possibility of having a child like you, called you, all right, or before um, there was ever any intention, any possibility, thousands of years before. God already knew about you. He already had a plan for your life. He already ordained what it was going to be like. And he already had a big dream and a work for you to do. And yours is not the same as mine. Most of you will never be up here telling this story. The star of the movie show today. (laughs) None of you will be in that position because that's not your dream. That's not your call. But your call is equal to my call. Because God sees each one of us the same. He makes each one of us equal. We're just unique with our own big dream. We read in Jeremiah 29, 11, the Lord tells us, I know the plans I have for you. They are plans to um, prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So God's plans for you are good plans. Everything of God is good. So anything that's happening to you or around you that's not good is not of God. Doesn't necessarily mean it's of the devil, but it's not of God. Because what God has for you is good. His plans are good, they will prosper you, they give you hope, hope, hope. In Kaitaia, we need hope. People need hope in Kaitaia. God has planned for every person to have hope. Not to feel hopeless, but to feel hopeful. He has a future for us. And we read in Ephesians 2.10, we are God's workmanship. In the uh, Living Bible, it says we are God's works of art. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. So it's already written. It's already known. It's already ordained. God has a plan. 
He's got works for you to do. He created you exactly the way you needed to be to fulfill the big dream, to fulfill the plan, the work that he's prepared in advance for you to do. It's all there, everything you need. The blueprint has been written. All the equipment, all the skill, all the talent, all the ability, all the knowledge, everything you require to fulfill that big dream, including the dream itself, is already there, already implanted, already inside you. Your job is to do what ordinary did and to look and look and look and expect and believe and then step into it. In the wall in my, on the wall in my dining room, I have four little, uh, six little paintings. They're about that size. They're quite tiny. They're watercolour and pastel paintings and they were done, um, crafted by a friend of mine, Margaret Young, who lives, who I knew in Australia. Margaret was in our church and in our life group and she and I partnered together in ministry for many years, um, a ministry of prayer and pastoral support for people who were traumatised and had been abused. It was a very um, deep, intense sort of a ministry because people are traumatised and traumatised people hurt. And when we're hurt... Sometimes we hurt other people. Hurting people hurt other people. And so these people abused and traumatised were really in need of knowing the love of God. All they needed really was the love of God. Because when they experience the love of God firsthand and uh, vicariously through Margaret and I and then eventually firsthand for themselves, that love did away with everything else. It dissolved the trauma and the abuse and the pain. And it takes a lot of love sometimes to do that because we've, we're deeply traumatised sometimes. People, anyone who loves deeply is going to hurt deeply. And we need to know that we're loved. And so we had this ministry and Margaret used to use these miniature paintings of memorable places that she had lived in England and now in Australia to connect with people. She gave it to needy people. Now I'm not needing needy in terms of finance or food. I'm talking about people who have a real need in their soul. Saved and unsaved people who have a need in their soul desperately in need and she would give them one of these paintings these little paintings that she framed um, and as she gave them to people she told them a testimony from her own life that was relevant to where they were currently in life both her paintings and her words blessed people and they introduced them to a God who cared for them I don't know that we ever actually witnessed to anyone and said you need Jesus Christ you know first time meeting them, straight in there. I don't know that we ever did that, but the paintings, the words, the testimony. You know, in, in Revelation, it talks about the power of our testimony unto salvation. Yeah? All right? These things really blessed people and let them know that there was a God and that God did care about them. Though similar, each piece of art was unique, each was a masterpiece, each had its own story to tell. That's just the same as you and me. We're God's work of art. We're his masterpieces. We are unique and we each have our own stories to tell. God has a special work for each of us. It's a good work. It's a, good, it's a work that he has approved of. 
Um, it, uh, it's a work that enables his kingdom to come here on earth. And God himself planned this personal work for you in advance. You're not an accident. God planned you into existence and he has a great plan for your life. What God ordains, God enables. So he equips us in every way to enable us to fulfill his plan for us. An ordinary person in the hands of an extraordinary God can certainly accomplish extraordinary, extraordinary feats for him. Just like my friend Margaret did. Her gift was painting and caring and loving and knowing God. And she just shared that with someone else. So my question to you is, what special work has God got for you to do? What special work has God got for you to do? Something that's unique that only you can do. What are God's plans for you? Start praying into the plan. Start asking God to show you what he has for you. What's the plan? What's the dream? What's the work? Tell him you want to step into the fullness of everything that he has for you to do. Expect him to hear your prayers. Expect that God will answer your prayers. And then start looking for the opportunities because the opportunities are all around us. You just need to look at the person beside you and that is an opportunity. All right? The person beside you is an opportunity. may not be the opportunity you think you're, you, you've been prepared for. It may not be the opportunity that you're looking for, but the person beside you is an opportunity. Only God knows what that person needs from you, but God knows what you've got to give. Yeah? Look for the opportunities that will inevitably come and don't back off, don't chicken out. Step into it. You know, it starts off by going to a person and just saying, hi, my name's Pam. What's your name? Ed. Liz. Liz. All right, Liz, it's nice to meet you. God bless you. All right. That's a God encounter. I've not met, knowingly met Liz before, but that's a God encounter and that's where it starts. We can all do that, can't we? Yep. All right, so let's look at a couple of biblical nobodies. I've got two of them, Jochebed and Jabez. All right, you say, who? All right, so put up your hand if you've heard about Jochebed. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, you're stealing my thunder, you guys. You're too smart. All right, put up your hand if you've heard about Jabez. More people have heard about Jabez because we preach about Jabez more often. There's a book written about Jabez, but not poor old Jochebed. Jochebed's a lady. Most of us, as we saw here, wouldn't even recognise her name. And many of us may not have thought of her as being a somebody because who is she? In the big scheme of things, she's a nobody. You don't even know her, some of you. All right? But her faithfulness and her faithful actions played a major role in where you and I are today in Christ Jesus. She was instrumental in getting us to this point, and you don't even know her. Wow. She trusted God with her youngest son. She disobeyed God's edict um, in order to save her son's life. Her courageous faith paid off. In his great providence, God provided a saviour for her son, the baby Moses. 
All right, you're getting a bit of a clue now. Yeah. All right. Pharaoh's daughter comes along and sh- and picks up Pharaoh um, picks up Jacobed's son Moses, and that protects him because he's not slain like all the other children his age. Ultimately, a whole nation was saved. Jochebed must have been a great woman of faith because all three of her children, Aaron, Miriam, and Moses, became great leaders and did great exploits for their God. Yet the only time that Jochebed is named is in a single verse located in the book of Exodus, chapter 6, verse 20, where we read, Amran married his father's sister, Jochebed, who bore him Aaron and Moses. And look at what that woman did. Now you try and tell me that an ordinary, unknown, unfamiliar, nobody in the big scheme of things, look what she did with her three children. And look what her three children did for God and for us. All right? Jochebed, a nobody. That's you or me. True, today you, have, you could be chosen to be that person of faith. Somebody who chooses to trust in God. Somebody who will pray to God, read the word of God, and faithfully pass it on to your children and your children's children and to whoever you encounter as the opportunity arises. Expect that what you reap, you will sow. Right? So start expecting. What you're reaping, you will sow. Jabez, his name means pain. Jabez, where are you? Pain, you're such a pain. Where are you, pain? You little pain. That was his name. Jabez means pain. His mother bore him in great pain, so she called him you pain or pain. All his life he had to face the reality of the pain that he had caused his mother. If ever there was a candidate to have a nobody mentality, I reckon it was Jabez. Yet, in an absolutely amazing way, God chooses to make Jabez a somebody. Not because of a faith-filled, courageous act um, like Jochebed. Not because he slayed a giant like the shepherd David. Not even because he established dozens of churches like the Apostle Paul but because Jabez prayed a sincere, earnest prayer that touched the heart of God. How many ordinary people in this room could pray a sincere, earnest prayer that could touch the heart of God? If that's you, lift your hand up and acknowledge it before the Lord. Amen. There's a good man there. He knows, all right? Can you pray this sort of a prayer? Simple Earnest, faithful. Where's his story located? Among hundreds of names in a dreary list that occupies the first nine chapters of the first book of Chronicles. God declares Jabez to be more, more honourable than his brothers, more honourable than any of the men in those lists over those nine chapters. One verse. Oh, no, two verses. 1 Chronicles 4, 9 to 10. What did Jabez pray that caught the attention of God? He simply, earnestly, sincerely asked God, God, bless me. Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be upon me and make sure no harm comes to me. Protect me. 
right? So God bless me. God bless me. Enlarge my territory. Was it here that I preached? Limit me not, says the Lord. I brought you a word from the Lord, yeah? Do not limit me, says the Lord, all right? Stretch out your tent pegs. Enlarge the size of your tent, yeah? Enlarge my territory. God wants us to take territory. He wants us to enlarge our territory. We have to enlarge territory in Kaitaran, in the far north of where to take it for God. We can't go in like ordinary into our little old home in the, in the town of Familia and just go home, eat our meal, watch TV, go to bed. We've got to start taking territory. Bless me, increase my territory, let your hand be with me. Everything that man did was under the covering hand, the anointing of God. And you know why? Because he cried out to the Lord. He says, I know you have a big plan for me, God. So bless me, reveal it to me, equip me. God says, I've already equipped you. I've already given you the dream. Now just step out into it, all right? Give me more territory. God says, then step over the line, step into it, all right? Let your hand be with me. Yes, I'll be with you, Jabez, because you believe what you're praying. Your prayers are sincere, they're honest. You believe me, you believe my word, you trust me. That's what ordinary people do. And they become extraordinary with their God. God saw Jabez as a somebody when everyone else, including his mother, saw him as a nobody. People who pray sincerely, urgently, in faith, from the heart, are somebodies to God. Maybe that's you, or maybe it could be you. All right, I have no idea what the time is. And what time do I finish? <laughs> well, that's an invitational day. Ten past. Okay. i got to move. We've got five minutes and a bit. All right. So in slide five, ordinary people plus God equals extraordinary people and extraordinary feats. In Acts chapter three, going through into chapter four, we read a story about um, Peter and John. One day Peter and John are going up to the temple at the time of prayer about three in the afternoon. Now, a, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put there every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. John looked straight at him. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from, the, from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. What did he give the, this man? A blessing from God, didn't he? Believe in God, believe in God as the God of the impossible, believing nothing's too difficult for God, believing that God wants to heal people, believe in God, inspired by God, he just said, what I give you, what I have, I will give you. And what he had was a blessing. In the name of Jesus Christ, walk. 
And we know the man got up and walked and he danced and leaped and he told everyone and, and the Sanhedrin were concerned about this, you know, and they called up Peter and John. In fact, they took them and put them in jail overnight and then brought them next morning and said to them, so tell us about this, you know, in what authority are you doing this? How can you just go and say that? In what authority? And they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power and in what name did you do this? When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realised that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Unschooled, ordinary men who had been with Jesus. Peter and John were ordinary unschooled fishermen before Jesus invited them to join him. They spent the next three years with him, being discipled by him, watching, listening, learning. They were constantly in his presence and they carried his presence with them wherever they went. You and I need to carry the presence of God wherever we go. It only takes being in his presence, spending time with God, reading the word, talking to God, fellowshipping with other Christians, coming to church, praying, being in prayer groups, attending life groups, but being with God. If you're thinking God, if you're talking to God, if you have God on your mind, if you read the word of God, memorize the word of God, speak the word of God, you have God. Because in the beginning was the word and the word became yeah, true, true, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's the bottom line. He became Jesus. And so Jesus is God, all right? And so you have the word, you have God. We need to be presence people, people who spend time with Jesus, learn from Jesus, carry the presence of Jesus wherever we go, touching people, touching lives, bringing them Jesus, bringing them change and transformation. Yeah? Yeah? The presence of God. In Matthew 20, verse 23, we read that Jesus breathed on his disciples. They received the Holy Spirit and were saved. With Jesus' salvation comes Christ's authority. When we're born again of the Spirit of God, we're adopted into the family of God. We become children of God. And because of that, we have the family name of God. We carry the authority of that name. You know, when I went to Australia and saw my great-grandson born, I stayed till the Sunday so I could dedicate him. And part of what I was doing was dedicating him back to God so he would have an inheritance in God, the name of God. But he also carried the name of Brew. Joshua Mandel Brew was his name. He had that authority that comes with the name of Brew. And we have that same authority in Christ. We have authority. We have a God-given authority. We're people with authority in Christ Jesus. So we are presence people. We're people with the authority of Christ. The third thing we are is people who have the um, empowering of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2, 1 to 4, we see the disciples, including Peter and John, were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit as promised by Christ prior to his departure from the earth. In Acts 1.8 it says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. All right? So if we're to do what God wants us to do, we need to have these three requirements working with us. We're to do what Peter did and say, in the, I give you what I have in the name of Jesus' walk. We need to be presence people who are carrying Jesus with us. We need to have the authority of Jesus Christ and we need to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right. Yesterday, Tim and I joined about 80 people from our church at the Marae in 
Tangeri. Tangeri is one of the lowest socioeconomic areas in our um, community. Beforehand, we, well, I, baked cakes and made soup. We, along with lots of other people in our congregation, gave to a special offering last Sunday that raised $3,800. And we bought almost 200 blankets, brand new blankets with that. We went to the Marae, we participated in a porphyry, which we had not done previously. Went into the meeting house, met the people. Um, we then talked to the people. We gave away homemade food, cooked, had a sausage sizzle, ate together with them, gave away the 200 new blankets. We prayed for those who accepted the invitation to have prayer. We made that available and we had an area they could come to. Lots of people came. I was one of the people praying. When we entered the Marae, we took the presence of God with us. When we prayed, we saw the present authority and power of God touch people's lives and bring change. We were using the tools that God had placed in our hands. Nothing extraordinary. But what a blessing. So what do you have in your hand? What has God placed in your hand? In, in 1987, Tim and Pam Ryan were ordinary, biblically unschooled people, an electrician and a nurse, before Jesus invited them to join him. They spent the past 29 years with him, being discipled by him, watching, listening, learning. They have been constantly in his presence. They carry his presence with them, with them wherever they go. And he has filled them with himself, his character, his knowledge, his Holy Spirit, his authority, and his power giving them servants' hearts, giving and helps ministries, such as intercession, discernment, healings, and supernatural faith to believe for the extraordinary. This is our greatly abbreviated testimony, but it highlights the fact that ordinary people filled with the presence, authority, and power of an extraordinary God become extraordinary people who do extraordinary exploits for their God. Amen? All right. Finally, Ephesians 2.10, we remember it again. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do great works which God has planned in advance for us to do. You're not nobodies, you're somebodies. In Christ Jesus, you are somebodies. Like Tim and I, you can carry his presence, his authority and his power with you every moment of every day of your life if you know Christ Jesus. God has ordained you and me. He has um, placed a plan or a big dream in each of our hearts. He's equipped you and me to carry it out. Already done, signed and sealed, ready to go. That's us. Yes? Yes? So our task is simple. Believe it and expect great things. Believing we can step into the big dream, we can expect him to be with us, we can expect to do great exploits with him doing it through us. Yes? Ordinary people plus an extraordinary God equals extraordinary people doing extraordinary exploits for their Lord. Amen? That's you and me. Gladys Aldwood was a very ordinary person who knew in her heart that she was created in Christ to do great works which God had prepared in advance for her to do. You see, God had placed a great dream in her heart. As a teenager... Gladys wanted to be a missionary in China, but the missionary's authority decided she was uneducated for the role. They weren't taking into consideration that Gladys's call to ministry had come from God himself. 
But we know that what God promises, he will fulfill. Amen? Unable to accept this as a final decision, Gladys worked as a housemaid until she raised sufficient funds to take herself to China. The truth is that where there's a dream and a call and expectation, there will always be a way, a will and a way. At 30 years of age in 1932, Gladys finally departed from Liverpool and London. She travelled overland through Europe and Russia and then on a mule went inland in China where she went to an inn called Lawson's Inn. She found herself in charge of that inn. She found favour with the mandarins and with the common people. She became a Chinese citizen. And during the war, when the Japanese invaded, she led 100 children over a mountain to safety. Ordinary person who did great exploits for her Lord. At the end of her life, Gladys Allwood wrote about herself, my heart is full of praise that one so insignificant, so uneducated and so ordinary in every way could be used to his glory for the blessing of his people in persecuted China. History records that unknown, uneducated, unqualified, Gladys Aylwood did amazing exploits for her God, all because of a dream that he had placed in her heart. So achieving the great dream may not always seem easy. It may seem there's obstacles. You may know what it is, and you may find that you can't step into it. But right here, right today, God can change that if you want him to. And so I don't know how we do an altar call here. Do we do one? Yes? Okay. First of all, I want to speak to those of you who don't know God. If you don't know God, none of this can fully happen to you. But, you know, God, just as we saw here, God, right from the beginning, before you were ever conceived or born, already had placed a dream inside your hearts. Maybe that's why you're here, because you know something's missing in your life like ordinary. If we could have the worship team come up um, for this time, just as I finish off. So maybe you don't know God, but you know there's something missing in your life. You felt compelled to come here. Today's the day that God has chosen to meet with you. What you need to do is say, here I am, God. I want you. I want to fulfill this big dream. I'm tired of being a nobody. I want to become a somebody. Is there anyone in this place today who says, yes, Pastor Pam, that's me. I want to become a somebody. Is there anyone here who may have known God, walked away, doesn't have a relationship with God, but you know that you've heard this message today and you need to find that missing link? If that's you, I'm just asking you in front of all these people just to lift your hand so I can see who you are and then I will come and pray with you. Thank you.